RT8K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Robert Kemp. Tonight's headlines. Beijing moves ahead with the introduction with national security legislation here in Hong Kong. Health authorities report eight more imported COVID-19 cases and critics are not thrilled with Ocean Park's revamp proposal. Beijing is moving ahead with the introduction of the country's national security law to Hong Kong. In a press conference in Beijing on the eve of this year's National People's Congress session, MPC spokesman Zhang Yesui says a motion to set up comprehensive legal and enforcement mechanisms to safeguard national security in Hong Kong will be discussed in the annual meeting. The item is expected to be put to a vote next Thursday. He said more details of the proposed legislation will be unveiled tomorrow, but media reports suggest it will outlaw secession, subversion, foreign interference and acts of terrorism. Speaking through an interpreter, Mr Zhang said national security is the bedrock that underpins the stability of a country and safeguarding national security serves the fundamental interests of all Chinese people. The Hong Kong SAR is an inseparable part of the People's Republic of China. The MPC is the highest organ of state power. In light of the new circumstances and need, the MPC is exercising the power enshrined in the Constitution to establish and improve at the state level a legal framework and enforcement mechanism for safeguarding national security in the Hong Kong SAR and to uphold and improve the institutional framework of one country, two systems. This is highly necessary. Local MPC deputies have floated the idea of implementing national security legislation in accordance with Article 18 of the Basic Law by listing it in Annex 3, bypassing LegCo. Pro-democracy legislators say introducing national security legislation without being scrutinised locally spells the end of one country, two systems. Civic Party's Tanya Chan is the convener of the camp. Under the basic law, it's supposed to be passed, or at least it's supposed to be handled by Hong Kong legislature. However, the Chinese government can't wait and they can't really stand and the freedoms and the rights have we have in Hong Kong. So they try to take away as quick as possible. And this is one of the saddest days in Hong Kong. China analyst Mark O'Neill was asked what impact such laws would have on Hong Kong's status as an international financial centre. Well, I mean, we don't have the details uh, in front of us, but what we can say for sure is that this law will target secession, overthrow of the central people's government, foreign interference and terrorism. So what they want to do is to be able to arrest anyone that they accuse of these four things, and they will give them very heavy sentences, much heavier than Hong Kong courts are now giving. Now, these four are not uh, economic matters. They're not commercial matters. And, And Beijing wants to separate the two. The Centre for Health Protection has announced eight new imported cases of coronavirus in Hong Kong. Seven of them returned from Pakistan on the same flight yesterday. Dr Chuang Shukwan of the Centre for Health Protection was asked about the risk of cross-infection on the flight. They are sitting not exactly next to each other, but uh, some of them are sitting quite close to each other within a few rows because they are family members. 
So we cannot assess the risk of in-flight transmission at the present moment unless after 14 days completion and if we find other cases unrelated or sick cluster to each other in the flights, we can, we can um, postulate that there may be in-flight transmission. Opposition lawmakers appear to be cool to a government proposal to reposition Ocean Park with a focus on conservation and education if it manages to stay open. The plan is aimed at winning LegCo support for a $5.4 billion lifeline. Democratic Chairman Wu Chi Wai has called it a half-hearted attempt to transform the park. Yao is still looking to have Ocean Park to be one of the major act- uh, tourist attraction points. But if that's the case, it also means that Ocean Park will face serious competition amongst the surrounding area, the neighborhood um, uh, theme park. Now, the um, park in Zhihoi, park in uh, Punyu. Um, I don't think Ocean Park can be a sustainable case if we go into that kind of competitions. You're tuned to RTHK. The time is five minutes past 11. The Hong Kong Journalist Association says the police commissioner, Chris Tang, offered an apology in his personal capacity to journalists who were angry with the way they were treated by the police during the protests on May the 10th. Representatives from four media unions held a meeting with the police chief and other senior officials after complaints about verbal and physical abuse from some officers on Mother's Day. The head of the Journalist Association, Chris Young, says they had a candid discussion with the police but are disappointed that the commissioner didn't make any concrete promises to address their demands. I won't make a judgment on whether he's sincere or not. Uh, an apology is an apology. I mean, um, that's still he did it. We are disappointed that uh, he did not make concrete promises, but only repeated that um, anyone, including, of course, reporters, have the right and freedom to take pictures, uh, videos in public places, but only when that does not interrupt the operation of uh, police. We think that's not a very strong and clear promises. Mr. Young also says the police were not advocating an official press accreditation system amid a debate on ways to better anti- identify reporters. The chairman of RTHK's Board of Advisors says the task force will be launched to make sure its programmes comply with the Public Broadcasters' Charter and fulfil its mission to promote a sense of national identity among Hong Kong people. The board met with Commerce Chief Edward Yao today, two days after the satire show headliner was found to have insulted and denigrated the police. Eugene Chan is the board's chairman. We have given advice on various programming standards and quality and editorial principles and so far we had kind of no difficulty was encountered by the director of broadcasting so we assume everything is well but considering with all the reports from the communication authority obviously there is a mismatch so we are looking for ways how we can best do our job to advise the director of broadcasting Ousted pro-democracy lawmaker Lao Siu Lai has won a legal challenge over a decision to bar her from running in a 2018 LegCo by-election. The High Court ruled that she was wrongfully disqualified because the returning officer had not given her a chance to explain her political views. The court also says her earlier disqualification as part of the LegCo oath-taking saga should not have a lingering effect on her running for office. Ms Lau called it a bitter victory. 
the judge had comment on the procedural irregularity and unjust, but uh, he uh, also think that uh, maybe um, the electoral officer have the right to subjectively determine whether I am uh, sincerely pro uh, basic law. So I think it is just a bitter victory and can do nothing or just sell them to very little to protect our legal right and uh, uh, political right. The ruling means pro-government lawmaker Yan Chan, who won the by-election, is ousted from the legislature. The court decision will take effect 14 working days later, and Ms Chan can seek leave to appeal. She says she'll seek legal advice before deciding what to do. I would treat this as an obstacle, because every people in their career path may come across some difficulties. This is only one of the difficulties that I will face it, and I will seek my legal advice and then uh, to decide the follow-up action. The Ombudsman has launched an investigation into the problem of misconnected sewage pipes at private buildings to storm water drains, which results in a huge volume of waste flowing into the sea. Artist Wong has a story. Ombudsman Winnie Chiu said that the watchdog's preliminary inquiry has revealed that the problem has dragged on for years. She said it's the property owner's duty to ensure the correct connections of pipes. She said it's highly unsatisfactory that the misconnected sewers were not fixed and a high volume of effluent continues to flow into the sea and cause pollution every day. That's also been blamed for foul-smelling waterfronts. The Ombudsman will examine whether the Environmental Protection Department, Buildings Department and Drainage Services Department which are all responsible for handling the problem, have properly performed their duties. Officials in India and Bangladesh say at least 84 people are known to have died in Cyclone Amphan, one of the most powerful storms to hit the region for years. Thousands of trees were uprooted, electricity lines brought down and houses flattened. BBC's Jill McGivering reports. The scale of this disaster is emerging slowly. Where roads are blocked by fallen trees or flooded, it's hard for emergency teams to access the worst-hit areas. Many are still without electricity or telephone lines. The Chief Minister of West Bengal, Mamata Banerjee, said the number of dead there had risen dramatically. Many were killed by falling trees, she said. Others were electrocuted when power cables were brought down. Heavy rain has caused widespread flooding. In southwest Bangladesh, several villages were submerged after a river burst its banks. The number of people infected by the coronavirus has reached 5 million as the rate of new infections continues to climb in many parts of the world. The milestone was recorded by Johns Hopkins University in the United States. The US accounts for almost a third of all cases worldwide. BBC's Warren Ball reports. The total number of coronavirus infections gives important pointers for the months ahead. Nearly 1.6 million people in the United States have been infected by COVID-19 and the death rate there is likely to eclipse the current figure of 94,000. Health officials say a major concern is the rise in cases in port and mid-range economies. Russia and Brazil, whose leaders initially played down the impact of coronavirus, have each registered around 300,000 cases. And in Latin America, Africa and the Asia-Pacific region, the World Health Organization says it fears the pandemic could cause levels of poverty and malnutrition not seen for decades. Sport Now, the head of the International Olympic Committee, Thomas Bach, says the organization is committed to going ahead with the Summer Games in Tokyo next year. He told the BBC that planning the event, which was postponed from this July because of the pandemic, was a huge project because there was so much uncertainty. It's a mammoth task and uh, there is no blueprint uh, for it. Uh, so we have uh, to uh, 
reinvent the wheel day by day. So it's very challenging and at the same time it's very fascinating to have this opportunity. Liverpool manager Jurgen Klopp says he's optimistic about the chances of completing the English Premier League season as the leaders returned to training in small groups yesterday. Klopp's side were just two wins away from ending a 30-year wait to lift the title when the season halted more than two months ago due to the coronavirus pandemic. Six positive cases of COVID-19 were detected in the Premier League's first round of tests on players and staff ahead of a return to training this week. At the start of the outbreak, Klopp accepted football should be suspended if it would help save even one life. But the German now believes it's safe for players to return to phase one of training. Over the moon, I would say. Like, I couldn't wait for, for, for a while now. I'm really happy that we, that we are able to do this um, again. Going back to my word, having small group training, stuff like this will be intense for the coaches, especially because we have a lot of players in small groups means a lot of sessions. But that's uh, we had enough time to rest, so that will, we will be fine. I always said um, it's we don't want to rush anything, but I don't think it's it's rushed. I think it's really it's for the first for the first step. It's for the for this kind of social distancing training um, that we have five players. Everybody knows how big a football pitch is. That will be probably four players and a goalkeeper. So yeah, we will be um, we were already creative, and we will be creative. Germany's World Cup winning goalkeeper Manuel Neuer has ended speculation about his future by signing a new contract with Bayern Munich until 2023. There had been rumours that he could leave the club after Bayern announced they were signing Schalke keeper Alexander Nubot for next season. Broadcaster Talfiq Khalil explains why negotiations took so long to complete. Bayern Munich, uh, they are looking for a new goalkeeper for the future after Neuer. So that's the reason why they got Nubel, Alexander Nubel from Schalke. A young goalkeeper, they consider, uh, Bayern Munich considers him as, as the future of German goalkeeping. Manuel Neuer on the other side, 34 years old, considers himself as the future of German goalkeeping. And uh, he, he wants to do that for more years, four or five more years. That's what he sees himself playing until almost 40 um, he wanted uh, a lot of money in the new contract, so there were a lot of arguments going in the one side and the other side. They were not very happy. Um, too much was talked in the public, but today Neuer said he is happy to stay with Bayern Munich. Reminder of our top stories tonight. Beijing moves ahead with the introduction of national security legislation here in Hong Kong. Health authorities report eight more imported COVID-19 cases. And critics are not thrilled with Ocean Park's revamp proposal. The news from RTHK. RTHK Radio 3. It's time now to get stories covered in this evening's user app programme. Greeners Action is urging people to switch to reusable face masks or wear disposable ones more than once to try to cut down on the millions of masks dumped in Hong Kong's landfills every day during the pandemic. The government estimates that 4 to 6 million masks are used here every day, generating 10 to 15 tonnes of waste. The Green Group calls the figure alarming. Its executive director, Angus Ho, told Candice Wong that with COVID-19 now mostly under control in Hong Kong, people should wear masks repeatedly to help save the environment. I think the single-use mask is an alarming uh, waste stream for our uh, new um, pressure for our landfill. And I think uh, government can uh, think about uh, in long term uh, how to reduce those single-use uh, face masks. 
So would you urge people to switch to reusable masks? Yes, I would like uh, to say, um, even according to some, uh, such as uh, WHO, and then um, uh, many other countries only recommend people to use the facial mask uh, for the uh, medical purpose. Uh, but for the normal people, I think uh, we can try to reuse the facial mask or use some kind of maybe the cover or a, a filter, which is can be reusable or refillable filter so that we can extend the life cycle of the facial mask and then we can uh, just uh, can reuse it um, more than one time. But would that cause public health concerns? Um, it's still safer, isn't it, to use single-use surgical face masks? Um, I think uh, it... Um, from environmental aspect, I think uh, just a, a normal people, I think if we can um, keep it dry uh, for the uh, facial mask and then can we uh, use more than one day, I think still uh, acceptable. But I think uh, it is more probably uh, to uh, ask the advice from the uh, medical uh, person uh, rather than um, because we are environment from the, mainly from the environmental aspect. I would always like to try to reuse or to extend the facial mask, especially uh, nowadays uh, the Hong Kong situation uh, seems is more uh, not, not so stressed. So that I, I think if the facial mask, um, such, um, because so many other the uh, medical pr- person also says if the facial mask is keeping dry, maybe you can use it longer, uh, but in no condition that you can have a proper way to store it and then to uh, use it again. So I think it is a uh, possible way for the people to consider. And I can imagine recycling uh, is impossible for uh, single-use face masks, and as well as uh, the fact that they are not biodegradable, and that has made things harder, isn't it? Yeah, uh, the facial mask is not able to recycle because it's compiled of different plastics and uh, mainly from uh, plastic number 5PP, uh, but also is compiled of uh, different plastic materials. So uh, uh, it is not recommended to recycle it. And uh, I think um, uh, we have discovered some uh, facial masks in the coastal area. Uh, not only in Hong Kong, but other area, other country. So I think uh, after a while, they will broken down uh, into the microplastic. And everyone knows the microplastic nowadays is a global environmental issue as well. It will transfer the microplastic through the uh, marine life and then to, uh, through the food chain to the human beings. So I think it is, um, we need to be treated uh, very carefully and avoiding the mass uh, disposal into the wild. So I think the government can think about um, just like other country, they can use the ultraviolet, uh, ultraviolet uh, uh, using this kind of technology to um, uh, sterilize uh, facial mask and then try to reuse it. I have saw some kind of experiment in other countries, which is uh, they're trying to do in this way. Consumer Council says it's found increases in fuel prices to be larger than price reductions over the past seven years. But it also says there was no evidence companies were quick to raise the prices that followed jumps in the international market. The watchdog found that the cumulative increase was around $3 per litre over years when comparing the pump price and import price whereas the cumulative reduction was only slightly more than 50 cents. 
In its latest report on the city's petrol prices, the Consumer Council also found that although Brent crude oil prices and import prices had returned to the levels in early 2016, retail prices before tax on average were still some $3 more than four years ago, even though the fuel tax and demand haven't changed. Ben Chair asked the council's chief executive, Gilly Wong, if it was able to find out why there were generally bigger increases in petrol prices but smaller cuts. This is something that uh, we have to point out. Um, this is really a question you know, that we have to look into further. But unfortunately, um, even the council you know, will not be able to understand um, the cost structure behind um, auto fuel. So that's why you know, we, we have to bring up the issue. Um, but uh, as you just report, uh, what we can see is uh, by looking into the data of seven years on the Brent crude oil price uh, together with the import price as well as the pump price that we collect almost every day mm-hmm. through our oil price uh, calculator, uh, what we found, um, there's um, quite um, uh, quite a different uh, patterns and findings you know, that we really want to make it more transparent to the public about, um, especially about the widening of the spread between the uh, import price and also the pump price, um, the high level of conformity of pump price, despite we have new market entrants since uh, mid-2000, uh, mid and also um, despite the fact that you know, we don't see the, um, the sign of more going up uh, and uh, less coming down is like the rockets and uh, furthering um, uh, effect. But what we can uh, see is there's an obvious sign of, uh, sorry, uh, we don't see a quick, uh, obvious sign of quick going up and slow coming down, but we clear a very clear sign uh, of more going up and less coming down. So what does it mean to the public is, um, it is quite obvious that, you know, people are paying more to buy the auto fuel uh, as compared with uh, quite a number of years ago. And why there's such a huge increase uh, for that. Uh, we have to look into the cost structure and that's why we have to call upon the government and also the oil companies to, to make that data a lot more transparent so that you know we can answer this question. Now, as you've just mentioned, uh, your report also found that the pump price gaps with Brent crude oil price and import price more or less doubled in the seven years. Did you find that the, there was a similar pattern or phenomena in other cities or countries? Um, we haven't looked into a very detailed comparison with other countries. Uh, reasons being, you know, the cost structure um, is, um, is, is different, and especially Hong Kong is well known to be the highest, uh, the most expensive uh, market in the world um, to buy a liter of uh, auto fuel. Um, so what we believe is um, the, to answer the public query about whether there is any pattern of uh, quick going up, slow coming down, and also more going up and less coming down, um, we drill into the figures, uh, the data you know, that we have. But obviously in overseas, um, we haven't heard you know, much of a problem about the oil price because um, the land cost is lower, they have the tax will be lower, uh, and also they have other regulations to make um, the industry more transparent. So probably it is um, a higher priority as a consumer protection concern as compared with other markets. Now, have the oil companies responded to your findings at the moment? Three companies did respond to us, um, and they um, highlight the fact that about um, um, the increase in cost uh, in different aspects, uh, like um, the import, um, the, 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 um, the importing, you know, the oil, um, especially the land cost, and also the operating costs like labor costs, administrative costs, and promotion costs, you know, etc. So this is the general reply, you know, that we received from them. But what we um, what we think is 
um, by reviewing all the different kinds of offers and promotions um, from different oil companies. Uh, it is extremely complicated and confusing to consumers. Um, for this time, we urge them again, why don't you just reduce from the pump price directly and let everyone to enjoy a lower price fairly um, instead of, you know, uh, taking the hassle of consumers to figure out which one is the best deal for me. Many areas remain cut off in eastern India and Bangladesh because of the damage caused by Cyclone Ampan. Large parts of Kolkata were flooded and 15 million people lost power supplies. In Kulna, a coastal district of Bangladesh, a three-metre surge destroyed the embankments built to protect villages, inundating many homes. Anna-Marie Evans asked our India correspondent, Murali Krishnan, about the extent of the casualties and damage. Well, you actually have to see the visuals and the videos to, to, uh, to believe, which I just saw, to, uh, to find out the, the, the trail of destruction this powerful cyclone has left behind. It's just ripped through uh, the state of West Bengal. And I feel, I mean, many feel, as they rightly say, it's just not a catastrophe. It's a national calamity, the kind of the trail of destruction that uh, uh, the cyclone Afan has left behind. Uh, it's evident from, uh, from many of the visuals you know, Kolkata's airport hangars are collapsing. The water is inundated runways. Uh, uh, but uh, it has, apart from damaging buildings and uprooting trees, it's upended uh, electricity, the, the power infrastructure in good parts of the state. So uh, it's it's uh, and and what's more what's more, what's uh, more unfortunate is that you know uh, the the state is trying very hard to sort of uh, contain the coronavirus pandemic and. And because they had to sort of evacuate people, they evacuated close to around 500,000 people who are living on the on the coastal shorelines. And many of them had to sort of be put up with people who were in quarantine because there was not enough space and they had to be kept away from harm's way. So it's a sort of a double whammy which the state authorities are now dealing with. But uh, I think uh, I, I just saw uh, the chief minister, Mamta Banerjee, a while back addressing a press conference. Uh, she's looking tired, haggard. And uh, and she's and she's and she thinks that it'll take a very very long time for her to rebuild that state, and she's asking for assistance close to around one trillion Indian rupees, which is about thirteen billion U.S. dollars. Yeah, as you say, it is a catastrophe for that state. And uh, in terms of New Delhi, what's the what's the national reaction, and um, in terms of also current emergency services? Uh, Prime Minister Narendra Modi has, uh, well, he Im- immediately took to Twitter. That seems to be his form of communication right now whenever there's an emergency. Instead of addressing, uh, instead of talking to people, uh, he's assured both the states. Two states were affected, the eastern state of Odisha and West Bengal, but Odisha much lesser. Uh, he's, he's promised cl- closer coordination. He's promised more teams of the National Disaster Response Force to be sent sent out there. He, 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 I mean, uh, uh, in terms of emergency support, all that is being there. But the fact is, uh, I think in this challenging hour, uh, what, what's important right now is that West Bengal needs to uh, get, 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 back to its, uh, get back to its feet. And I think it's going to take a three or four days before the full scale of the devastation comes home to us. Uh, but what I can say for sure is that the state is on its knees and there's no question about that. And there's an endless list of uh, um, uh, 
uh, endless list of to-do things which uh, the uh, West Bengal has to do, and uh, and right from you know the crops which have been ruined, homes flattened, people killed. I mean, trying to help them out in terms of uh, giving them compensation. There is still there's so much to do, and on top of that, we have they have to sort of also ensure that people are safe in this pandemic. Yes, indeed. I mean, it is. It really is a double disaster, as you say, because, of course, um, COVID-19 continues. But uh, in terms of, I mean, I'm looking at flooded streets here. Is that also, in in addition to um, the, the cyclone itself, is that also an issue of citywide sort of bad drainage or other issues that are to do with the city itself? Yes, storm drainage in most big cities, except say for uh, uh, say for Mumbai as well as Bangalore, storm drainage is very bad in some of the big cities. But we have a when you have a cyclone which is gusting up winds up to around 185 kilometers, and you have waves about 15 mm -hmm. feet tall. Uh, uh, Calcutta is not really well, uh, well planned that way. Uh, but then it, uh, and so therefore what we're seeing is flooding still uh, uh, continues in many parts of uh, not just Calcutta alone. But uh, two, two important districts, um, which is uh, in South 24 Parganas and the Sagar Islands, which have, which, which people have still not really managed to sort of go up there to get an idea of how badly affected those those districts are. Uh, and b these are basically rural and mofasil areas of West Bengal, and the embankments have been smashed. So that gives you an idea how much of water, but how much of water could be static on the roads and highways uh, and uh, and we really don't have a clue uh, on that score of how badly lives have been upended because of this I, like I said it take, it'll take another couple of days to really understand the full scale of this disaster and how much of repair work needs to be done Those stories are part of the Newswrap programme which was broadcast on RTHK earlier this evening Robert Kemp from our newsroom to prevent pneumonia and respiratory tract infection, always keep hands clean and wash hands for at least 20 seconds. Put the lid down before flushing. Add water to U-traps regularly. Cover your mouth and nose with a tissue when sneezing or coughing. Wear a mask and seek medical advice promptly if unwell. Fully cover your nose, mouth and chin with a mask. Visit chp.gov.hk to learn more. Live across Hong Kong, this is Radio 3. January to December, we'll have moments to remember. Remember. Remember.
was the Song of India, played by the one and only Mantovani. Mantovani and his orchestra were the time now 27 minutes to midnight. Nostalgia all the way. of Dick Haynes. The night is young and you're so beautiful here among the shadows beautiful lady open your heart the scene is set the breezes sing of it can't you get into the swing of it lady When do we start? When the lady is kissable And the evening is cool Any dream is permissible In the heart of a fool The moon is high And you're so glamorous And if I seem over-amorous, lady What can I do? The night is young and I'm in love 